welcome to the Reggae Pod Clash, where man like Devin, that's me, and Roger Rivas talk all things reggae. On today's episode, we are joined by legendary Jamaican bass player Val Douglas to discuss his work with Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, Dennis Brown, and countless other classic artists before joining the Scatolites. Yo, yo. Raj. What's up, Devin? Not much. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's going to be a good one. Well, look, I just want to say off the bat, everyone can see that I'm on location and I have uh, cha- changed up the picture behind me. I have this excellent... I like it. <laughs> it's yeah, art. Yeah, good, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's what it is. We came down to visit my... Uh, Vanessa and I came down to visit our friends uh, in Oceanside, which is just north mm-hmm. of San Diego. Mm-hmm. And um, it's is nice... It- <laughs> Is yeah, it hot over there? It is hot everywhere. Southern California is hot. Oh, man. It is no good. But you know what? We're not complaining. It's Yeah, it's we're not great. complaining. How are you over there in uh, Portland? I'm Ranch? good. I'm hot. Won't complain. It's nice and warm. I can appreciate it. Um, you know, I am definitely sweating over here, but I, I like it. it's not that bad. Jump in the pool well, afterwards, I guess. I don't know. Um, well... To cool everybody down today, we have a very, very special guest, uh, legendary bass player, Jamaican bass player Val Douglas is joining us yes, today. Yes, sir. Um, he's played yes. with everybody from Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, Dennis Brown, the Now Generation Band, Abyssinians, d- the list goes on and on, and we will be talking to him about um, his long list of accomplishments and um, the bass that you have all heard if you've listened to reggae in any capacity in your life. Yes. But before we do that, we'd like to start the show. Well, first, we'd like to ask everybody to share the vid. If you're watching, share it on Facebook and YouTube. Hit like and hit the hearts and all that stuff. Um, go subscribe to the podcast as well. The Reggae Pod Clash is now available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but before we bring Val on, we'd like to do something that we do every week which is called the tune of the week and roger and i both collect a lot of jamaican records and we like to share it with you and uh today i think who's going first raj oh it don't even matter i'm ready i let's since you're ready let's have you go first let's do it baby. what's your record so check this out you know i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of the organ instrumentals and uh i'm i try not to just pick those tunes even though if it was my way Mm -hmm. there'd be a lot more that make their way in but this tune is called "The Vampire" by the Upsetters, and it's that, that made it sound like I've, I'm I'm standing here like no organ <laughs> instrumental. He's texting me right now, like I told you the last <laughs> organ instrumental. This is it. But this tune is a heavy tune. Check it out. Uh, we'll talk about it. It's "The Vampire" by the Upsetters. All right. You're the witch doctor, but I am the vampire. I say, my patient. Another injection. And that shall be successful.
The upsetters, you Ooh. know that sound. Yep. When you hear the upsetters, you know that sound. You know, it's like this. It's it, it is. It's Family Man. It's Carly. It's you know. You got Glenn Adams on organ. Um, when I first was hearing, when I, you know, the upsetters, you can tell when it's Winston Wright or when it's like Glenn Adams because, for me, Glenn Adams plays some really tasty lines, but they're very. I'm I'm I don't use the word simple, but they're very just you know straight ahead. Whereas Winston Wright was a little more. So songs like um, uh, Return to Django and Live Injection, credited to the Upsetters, but that's Winston Wright on there. And you can tell there's, a, there's just a different swag, a different uh, attitude, a different approach. So the Glenn Adams tunes are like kind of just, you know, straight ahead, bouncy and cute. And uh, I dig the, the when the chord changes are eerie and, and funky yeah. like that, like the intro. Uh, it's, well, I think we all do, right? We all kind of dig that tension and that whatever, whatever it really is where the chord changes are just kind of unorthodox. And, and there's um, like a one, like, I guess it's like a wrong note that I always hear, but mm-hmm. like the song wouldn't be the same without that. It's like when he right. goes for the, like the doo doo doo, but he like, it's not that third note. He like hits a, a different one, but it's yeah. like, I, I need that. It's like a little like, Oh yeah, that's, that's what I want. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. The tension, I'm telling you, um, it's, uh, like what the whole the whole theme there's a long story and we could we could actually do a whole show on this but if you guys heard the intro you know it's like lee perry kind of doing this whole um you know acting and doing this whole witch doctor thing and the vampire and this whole story and it's he says my patient needs another injection and that's kind of a tip of the hat to like the song live injection and if you notice you know over the years a lot of jamaican tunes will do that you know there was a lot of um like horror scary movie themes and then there was also the western side of it so then you had all these western themes right everybody from lee perry to Derek harriet came in trinity i mean i wrote mm-hmm. there'd be versions upon versions of just kind of you know getting back at that other producer and it's a it's a really cool thing to follow as a collector yeah you're like oh i see the story i see what they're doing there you know so um that's definitely one of the uh one of the tunes that, that I, I dig as as an organ as an organ player and and growing up learning like what the heck you know uh what part organ had to play in this era of reggae nineteen sixty nine and seventy that was definitely one of the tunes that i I had gotten early on and of course like on some compilation mm-hmm. and obviously years later getting it on forty five and if you notice the forty five is like someone scribbled their name on it <laughs> yes so i wanted to talk about that like ladies and gentlemen when you collect records sometimes i mean you shoot for the moon and you want the perfect label and you want the perfect grade on the actual vinyl so it plays great so sometimes you got to compromise sometimes you get someone that i think this is duke Everly. <laughs> all right well so duke got your record bro <laughs> Oh, oh Duke. So he's, Duke. So he's known for scribbling on his records. He's known for, hey, he doesn't want no one to steal his records. You know, it's not no big deal. Um, so what do we got, Dev? What's, what's your tune? All right. This week, I'm playing one of my favorite tunes. This is um, a song called Changing of the Times by Danny Clark and the Meditations. And this is 1976. It's an upbeat stepper's rhythm. And um, just like last week, I've done two weeks in a row of songs that for me, it's really all about the lyrics. So just pay it. He's like, he's getting really philosophical and, and the lyrics to this song are really important. We'll talk about it on the flip side, but here it is. Danny Clark and the Meditations, Changing of the Times. Oh, oh, oh. 
Yes, man, that's a, that's a, I know it's like a, it's a dancey one. Um, but to me, that song is all about the lyrics because he's talking about like, you could see like I, just my window into his songwriting process. He's just like, he had this idea and mm-hmm. he's, he's saying like, j- just, just like how we get used to the changing of the times, that's how I would like to see us change to love and he keeps like listing all these examples he's like you know we we did these like we asked for more laws you know these crime laws and because we decided we need them and we got them and we asked for more uh you know education and we got that and we're, we're dealing with that now and just the same way we all decided to ask for these things that's the same way i'd like us all to decide to change to love in general right so i just like it's kind of a unique uh, approach to lyric writing for me it's just like mm-hmm. you know i it's not like he sat down and and was being general with things right he was just very specific right. he had a, it's like you could tell it, like he was thinking these things through before he wrote the song it's just like an idea he had right. philosophically you know if mm-hmm. we can get used to you know if we can decide to make a change in all these other ways and then implement it why can't we decide to change to living with more love and implement that right so I've, that always like really stood out to me that song just for just for the lyrics and then you know 
I've said it before. I think 1976, if I had to pick, is like my favorite year in Jamaican music. Just wow, nice. It's yeah. just so many, so many things just came together. Right, recording quality. It's not too clean yet, but but it's like definitely improved from what it was a few years before that. You know. Yeah. And then yeah. just the the rocker style is just in full effect. Every, you know, all the songwriters and singers have really embraced it. And you know, you have groups like Culture and the Mighty Diamonds, and it just goes on and on and on. The meditations like this, who are just they've really embraced like the rocker sound and. Totally. It's not brand new to them anymore, and they're just like going with it, you know. So this is all, of course, just my outsider's, you know, perspective on it. But that's what it always. 1976. It's just tends to be my favorite year <laughs> musically. Is, is Danny Clark in the meditations? Or yeah. Is he like, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, Val is in the comments saying he's on that tune. No. Wow. Okay. Well, no. we're gonna talk to you about that, Val. Wow. So that's oh, completely man. coincidental. That's amazing. Well, Val, I love that song. That is crazy. Well, should we just like? bring val in now i think yeah i mean that's if, yeah without further ado it's very rare that we have a musician um of val's caliber and also one who's on the tune of the week that we just played so let's bring Crazy. everybody put your hands together for a legendary bass player of the scatolites now val mm-hmm. d oh boy yo yeah. so so you're on that tune huh yeah 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 wow yeah sometimes I did most of the most of the stuff that came out of Federal Records, uh-huh. mm-hmm. the Wildflower label. Yeah, I used to be on. That. I used to do all most of them. Most wow. Of them. wow! Do you remember that session? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's one of a few right things that we did with Danny. You know, Danny yeah. Clark meditations. Yeah. Jeez, when is the last time you heard that particular song? It's been years, <laughs> many, oh, wow. many years. For real. Do yeah. do you fi- I mean, do you find that like you have fans coming up to you asking you to autograph records and stuff that you never, have, never you, you have to before. stop and look at? You know, that's true. Never seen them before because what happens that especially when you go to like Europe, mm-hmm. you know, people be like, "Wow, you played on so and so," you know, I'd be like. Uh yeah uh-huh <laughs> you know <laughs> they present you the record and you look and you say oh yeah probably yeah because <laughs> right. the time and the artist you know mm-hmm. at the studio you know okay that's me you know right, right. <laughs> wow man <laughs> but it's very interesting because sometimes especially like the first time I went to England after we I went with um, Barry Hammond right that was that was the first time he was going to England too. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was interesting. And we're staying in Birmingham, and after the gig, uh, and, and even before that, we had to do like some rehearsals, right? Because I took a keyboard player and a and my drummer, just the three of us went, and then I got two guitars over there, got a horn section over there. We rehearsed in UB 40's studio, <clears throat> so after rehearsal. We'd go to like a basement party, you know, mm-hmm. right? Because they were into that thing, basement parties in the nights, and it's jammed and it's really nice, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would hear songs that I never heard since since I recorded them. Wow. And I'd be listening out of there. And I'd hear my, hear them, because I always do little extra stuff along the way, you know? Mm hmm. I'll be hearing this stuff. I'm like, I said to my drummer, hey, that's me. 
like, what? Again? You know? <laughs> it's like, stop lying. <laughs> That's what it is. You know? A lot of songs we used to do, they didn't even, they didn't even release them in Jamaica. They just went straight to, them straight to special, especially to England. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so it was, it was very fulfilling to hear that though, you know, like, it was like swelling and stuff <laughs> nice that's amazing that's i that's so amazing because we had no idea that you were that you played bass on that tune that's completely coincidental that's completely coincidental <laughs> i yeah i that actually was had good a while ago i was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i remember yeah so okay. so let me ask you about like the wildflower label since i mean <laughs> you just were mentioning it because i was gonna you know uh, that was one of my notes on that record it's just for me every time I see, like Roger and I were talking about this last week. There are some some labels, right? Uh, that you, uh, as soon as you see it, even if you've never heard the tune, you think I should probably take a chance and buy this record because it's going to be good. And for me, Wildflower has always been one of those because it's just got it's 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 the style I like usually. And so, I mean, what can you you know what can you tell us about about Wildflower and and working with those producers? Well, Wildflower label was um was for federal federal mm-hmm. records. You understand? And like you, you're talking about quality, they had a really good quality studio. Because right now, Tough Gang bought the studio. Right? Wow. So Tough Gang studio is actually Federal's Today. studio. Mm-hmm. And it was so advanced that I was there, <clears throat> sorry. sorry, I was there like a year, a year ago. And they did not do much in the actual, in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the rooms like uh, bringing back all kind of memories and stuff. Wow. But they did, you know, the, there's changes in the control, in the con- control room itself because they're going with the times, you know, like right. Pro Tools didn't have Pro Tools back then, but stuff yeah. like that. But it was really advanced because that studio was actually designed by Polydor of Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they came in and did a really you know, it was like, wow, fantastic stuff, you know. So that studio was good. And they're always, like, focused on quality. Like, they, as a matter of fact, some producers used to say, Federal was too clean. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. <Wow. clears throat> Sorry. Wow. And, and you... Yeah, the good, you know, the good, um, what kind of, some big fancy board and stuff like right. that, yeah. Nice, you know, nice you bring speakers and stuff. Really, you know, you you bring up studios, and obviously, I'm sure you've been in your share of Jamaican studios. So, mm-hmm. can can you walk us through some of those studios? I mean, I would love to jump in a time machine and be able to go and kind of you know check out some of those studios. I mean, you mentioned you worked with you know Lee Perry. Um, were you able to go in the Black Ark and and you know Treasure Isle? Some of these studios. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. All of them except Studio One. Never went to studio. Work. Never. No, no. I well, heard you, you didn't miss much. Yeah. <laughs> I. It was you know I I didn't want to go either. Okay, nice. I, I didn't like the stories I heard. Mm. Hey, you okay. know. Yeah. Right. And I'm sorry, but you know, a part of the rebel in me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dictated that I shouldn't really go there. You know, when I hear stories like. Delroy Wilson and a number one song and all he got for it was a, a, a acoustic guitar and like a shirt or something. I'm like, what? And this was my own 
my own brother on that studio, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I don't really need to go. I didn't so, want to go. I was never interested. You know. And, and that and that's 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 great because we never think of that as fans and artists. We never think of the the dynamic between individuals there or you know how, how certain individuals are um as far as or producers rather as far as how they treated their musicians so on the flip side on the more positive side what are some of the studios that you enjoyed working at federal was like was like home you know did all the ernie smith stuff and the pluto Sherrington stuff and, pluto yeah that's pluto yeah, was like all the wildflower seven inches i've got a bunch yeah, of, yeah. And Ernie and stuff like that yeah and I like I used to like to go to Harry J was another home too. Mm. Harry J definitely, you know, did all of the lots of really like the Joe Higgs stuff and the um, Lana Bennett stuff and stuff like that. I I like Dynamic too. Did a lot of stuff in Dynamic with Pablo Moses and Nice. You know, some of the Derek Harrod stuff would be we did Derek Harrod stuff at Federal too, you know. Right. Uh, Channel One was all right too. <laughs> it was all right. Um, yeah. yeah. Channel One was all right. I, think I did some meditations thing there, and some other little things, but not much stuff. And Joe Gibbs was another, almost like another home at one point too. Oh wow! But when I say home, I was never one to hang out at the studio. You know, and that mm -hmm. was called me. Tell me what time. I get here 10 minutes late. <laughs> and I, I had a plug in and I tune quick and I'm ready. And I'm sitting down there and I'll get up. After the first tune, I'll go listen to it in the studio, in the control room. If that's all right, okay. I go sit down again and I ain't getting up till we finish whatever songs we have left to do. You yeah. know, I just go listen to the first one, make sure. Okay, my bass sounding properly. You're doing the thing right, and okay, let's go. You know, right. And when I finish, I'm out. You know, yeah. Pay in me, and out. I tell me where to go collect my money, and I'm, I don't and have then some, studio. And then you don't hear the song until you're <laughs> until years later when you're on a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's good. That's We're, all right. Yeah. Were most no. producers, did most producers just trust the musicians? You mentioned you would go in for the first song, mm -hmm. listen to the song, make sure your levels were right, make sure the bass sounded good coming out of the, the you yeah. know, control room. Were, were most producers, you know, were they trustworthy of the musicians to go ahead and, and do, do that? Or were there some producers that were really, they knew what they wanted? Well, most of them had to do that. Most of them were really executive producers. Mm. You know, they didn't come in there with a lot of, a lot of um, what's that? They, they came in with money, <laughs> you understand? They came in as executive producer. Now we, so we musicians actually produce the songs. You know, when you really think of it, we really did the production of it, and they would like the producers, the so-called producers. They were like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's all good. <laughs> but most of the time, all they, had, they could say is, oh. I was thinking of it more faster, faster. You can do it faster or slow it down. But that's it. They couldn't really say, um, maybe you shouldn't put the bridge there. They don't know what the bridge is. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. right. So right. We, don't get, we don't get a lot of credit for producing these songs. But right. 
That's what we actually did that. You know? or, or even writing. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but as a musician myself, you know, I can only assume that a lot of these songs that are classic songs, yes, the lyrics might have been, you know, written obviously by the singer, but a lot of these tunes, you know, the musicians don't get credit because they're actually writing the song. I mean, exactly. That was, no, it's, it's changing a little bit, pretty much it's changing a bit now, but then back then it was unheard of, you know what I'm saying? Unheard of, really. And especially like the the bass player in reggae, because in reggae the bass is often the melodically the thing you walk away remembering, you know. So it's like it's such a it's such a big part of you know you talk about like writing the song, you know. It's like you walk away humming that bass line, exactly. But it's not viewed, you know. It's like from a from a legal songwriting standpoint, they're just like, oh, all all you did was play bass on it. So that must have been frustrating (laughs) at times, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. The bass really plays a very important part in our music, you know, very, very Right. It's like a oh. counter, counter melody, really, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? You, you have such a long list of amazing musicians that you've worked with, and a couple names pop out to me that, you know, I wanted to touch on because, I, I you know, when you see a list like that, you kind of, oh, okay, I've seen that name before, you know, but... I've I've never met anybody that's worked with, for example, Lloyd Chalmers. For example, what did what did you do with Lloyd Chalmers? Oh man, I still love playing sessions with Lloyd, and most of those sessions, most of them were at Federal too. Yeah, Mm. and Lloyd was into well, he was into he just wanted to well, he was a producer, you know, he was a producer. He wasn't just executive. He was actually. Because he could actually play, you know, he played keyboard sometimes, mm-hmm. but most of the time it was like Robin Lynn, violin though, on keyboards, you know. But Lighty, he had good ideas and he was a singer too, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So he got good stuff out of the sing- out of the singers who he produced, you know. He produced like Marcel Griffiths. He produced himself. He produced BBC. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of other people, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a he was a good producer. Yeah. Wow. When you well, feel it's a, a light charmer session, you usually feel you feel some kind of satisfaction. You feel like you play some music today. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> what were some really memorable tunes that, that you remember working on with Lloyd Chalmers? Oh man, no, don't do that to me now. <laughs> uh, a bunch of songs, you know. Yeah. Have I seen as BBC? Mm. Did a bunch of things with BBC. Um, uh, he did some stuff, some Marcia Griffith stuff, and a bunch, a bunch of Ken Boot songs. Mm. A whole bunch of them. Yeah. What wow. what era can like what years would would those Ken Booths Booth recordings have been for you? Uh, like six seventy three, seventy two, seventy three, up to like seventy six. Wow. What, what happened is that in 76, right, with all this CIA business and this, you know, this whole political upheaval and the Michael Manley government in and the U.S. didn't like that, right? Mm-hmm. So they they turned the CIA onto us, you understand? Mm-hmm. And so a bunch of people who could afford it picked up their picked up their marbles then, you know, and left the game. I went to like Miami and those places. 
So like Federal was owned by the Coors, you know, Ken Coors and Richard mm-hmm. and Bob. They put up their marbles. They, they left, they closed the studio and went to Miami. Wow. So see, so Federal Works up to like 76 stopped and then it didn't, they, there's no more Federal again. And then eventually Tough Gang bought them out in probably about the late 90s, somewhere there. You know, wow. so, so like I'm saying with, so Chalmers, I think Chalmers left for England 76 too. You know, wow. so all that stuff we used to do just stopped right there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was younger and I first heard the name Val Douglas, is I, I, there was a couple of songs that I was really, really into by a group called um, The Now Generation. Mm. And so I was like, wow, you know, some great tunes, uh, tunes oh, like Cup of Tea, you know, Breezy. Uh, cup of Tea. Yeah, man. <laughs> I What's actually like, have it on forty five, and I was I was if I had more time, I would have played it on this this week's tune of the week. Per, 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 yeah. That's like the first tune we recorded. You know who really? actually, you know who actually played lead on that lead that lead organ? Who? You're not going to know. Ibu Cooper. Oh, oh wow! From Third World, yeah. Wow. Because at that point, I had just gotten Jeff Chung to come to No Generation. Cause I was there before them, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, Jeffrey used to sing with uh, Inner Circle. Yeah, he used Inner Circle. I tried to get him and Ibu, right? And Ibu was thinking of coming. And so Jeffrey got him to record. We all recorded that thing. And then Ibu changed his mind because Inner Circle offered him a, offered him a deal that he couldn't, he couldn't resist, you know? <laughs> they made him officially band leader and everything like that. Right. And he changed his mind. But that's but that's Ibu on, on keyboards and organ. We recorded wow. that at Federal. So that was like the first recording we did as no generation. That's, Cup that's of a, yeah, wow. It's, it's on the superstar label, huh? Superstar. Um, I don't know about the label thing. <laughs> just labels <laughs> is another thing, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's another thing. Yeah. That's, that's for us record collectors. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> love that song. You do a song for one producer and who has a label, and then years later you see it on a, a different label. Mm-hmm. Another label, then it goes to Trojan. And, ah, so. mm-hmm. one, one time we backed up uh, in Los Angeles, we backed up Leonard Dillon from the Ethiopians, and, Ethiopians, uh, yeah. and he, uh, we, he was signing some records for us, and my friend gave him you know, one of his tunes, and it was on the Techniques record, and mm. Leonard's so- signing it, and then he goes, he goes, wait a minute. He's like this. This never released on techniques, and he and uh, the head of oh, techniques, no. you know, still li- lived in Jamaica. So Leonard was like, "Can I have this record?" Because he wanted to go back to Jamaica, and oh, and so uh, he he okay. did. So then we saw Leonard a, about a year later, and mm-hmm. and my friend asked him like, "Hey, whatever happened with that?" And Leonard was like, "Oh yeah, that was you." He was like, "Thank you." He's like, "Yeah, I showed up at his house and confronted him, and I got a whole bunch of money from it." So Winston yeah, Riley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to say the name, but you said. It, so. <laughs> oh, Riley. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Leonard Leonard yet. went. Le- Leonard was like, hit him get so coward when he showed it up at his house. <laughs> wow! Yeah. And he gave him a bunch of money for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was I, the song "Pirate." You a pirate? No, how, how yeah. 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 yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, so he pirated the pirate. He oh, pirated man. the pirate. Yep, that song was about him. He didn't even know it. We. <laughs> We have to talk about uh, you working with Bob Marley. So can you just elaborate? Like, how, how did okay. you work with Bob? Because 
short story, but dense maybe. Uh, the first time I worked with Bob Marley, uh, the only time was we played live with him, No Generation, right? That time, Derek Harriet used to have a Saturday night thing, like once a month, maybe, mm-hmm. at a club called the VIP Club in Halfway Tree. Right? And it used to be, he actually hooked up with RJR, I think, or JBC, one of the two main radio stations then. And we would actually come over live, right, on the radio. And so Derek would have, Derek had this sound system, right, musical chariot, right? Mm. And he would have, so he would have that, he would be playing his sound system, and then he would have a showtime, you know, and each month he would have a different artist, you know, or, or two, you know, for that show thing. So one, once he had Bob Marley, you know, and the Whalers, that's, that's a trio of them, Bob, Peter, and Bunny. And that was like, oh, I think, oh, th- uh, Hells Angels, that's another band that was like, not really our rival, because those are friends, but same age group. Yeah, yeah, they played, and then we went out and we played, and we played, and we backed Bob. What year was that? Oh, man, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to know what era, you know. What yeah, era. it had to be like 1971. Wow. It had to be 71, not 72. 71, 72, most likely 71. How, how was that for you guys at the time? I mean, you know you're going to play, you're going to back up Bob. No, nah, but the like, time Bob... Bob, did, Bob was, I mean, he had. Uh, There's a baby still, right? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I used to make sure that that time he was wearing, like, you know, the platform boots and all that thing, you know, okay. platform shoes, you know, and soul and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was nice. It was a real nice experience because I had to do a, like a one little rehearsal with them. And um, that time. Doppy Conqueror was the, was the hit song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, w- I was going to ask if you remember, because I'm trying to think, 1971 Whalers, to me that's like such a like a magical, like mysterious like time in my mind. Like I don't yeah. even, like I've often said, if I had a time machine, I would like go back to like the early, <laughs> like 1971 and like see the Whalers do a live show. So do you remember, yeah. you just mentioned, and I'm trying to think of like the catalog of his at that time, you know? So like you just mentioned Doppy Conqueror. Like so what are some yeah. of the other tunes that you would have been playing with them at that time? I'm- the good thing about it was that we, as a band, as now Gen, we used to do their songs. Mm-hmm. And we were like the only band who used to do their songs, you know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Like all the other bands want to play soca, I mean, Calypso kind of thing and jump up on her. But we were like roots from them time, you know? Mm-hmm. We were into the content, you know what I'm saying? So, okay, Doppy Conqueror. Yeah, I want the set list. Who the cap fit? Who the cap fit, yeah. yeah who the cap fit? Let yeah. Um, uh, sun is shining. I remember yeah. that one. You know why? Especially, of course, you know the baseline. Yeah. Anyway, so we did that. Um, and that one, Peter Tosh played a melodic on that one. Spread, spread over Peter Yeah, I never forget that. Yeah. Yeah, Peter he played, it li- 
You played the melodica live on stage? Live on stage. Wow. So I love the melodica. I was wicked, really, you know? Yeah. So what, like, I'm sorry for dwelling on this. I'm just trying to, like, get the full picture of this. So... So you've got like, let's say I'm at this show and I'm watching it. So there's Bob, Peter, and Bunny, Val Douglas on bass. Who else is in the Now Generation band like for that show? Oh, Mikey Mike, Chung, Mike, yeah. Guitar, Jeffrey Chung on rhythm guitar. Um, that would have been that drummer would have been Laggy, Martin Sinclair on drums, wow. and Lindo on keyboards. Nice. Yeah. And we had two horn players too. Um, Poco Ogilvy and was up there with Poco made I mean Benji and Trumpet I'm not sure or or Para I'm not sure was Wire playing with with you was he playing that show probably because he was already playing in, in Bob's band no, or was it no 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 Wire was no, huh? Why well, was no generation from before, ah, before so Bob, Bob stole him from you guys. <laughs> yeah. oh, Bob stole man. him from Bob stole him from me like twice because <laughs> Bob <laughs> like in seventy three I went to play started playing with at the um, John Cunn Lounge in the Sheraton Hotel. Sheraton Kingston Hotel. Mm-hmm. It's a six night a week. Nice stable job and all that. <laughs> and I, I got, we got, I got Wire to come play with us. Wire played with us for like a while, and Wire played with us for nearly a year. And then he said, "Boy, doggy, why Bob check me? <laughs> why check Bob check me again? You know, Bob check because Wire had gone out to play with Taj Mahal a little before that, right? Mm-hmm. Because wow. no generation stopped playing in '72. So between '72 and '73." There was a little gap there where, you know, nothing great was happening except studio, studio work was happening. Where I said, boy, I'm not going. I'm going to say, sure, you want to go. Because this was nice. So the Sheraton gig was nice, you know. Because mm-hmm. we, we brought roots to the Sheraton. When I went to the Sheraton, they were playing one, one reggae tune each night. And they would play it like three different. We had four sets, and they would play it in each set. I know that one was Johnny Too Bad by the Slickers. Yeah, right. right. Oh boy, they beat the shit out of <laughs> the heck out of that tune. Right? <laughs> and I played, I stayed with them for like a year and a half. When I left, we had a serious reggae section going, going, and didn't change after that, you know, because we, we, I even, we even had Jeffrey, Jeffrey Chong came in and was singing there too first, and then after that, the great. There's there's a young there's my young mm-hmm. yeah a, you might have heard his name he's the head of the, the musicians union back home right now there's a young oh, okay yeah, he was there was a, a there was a singer Desi young too it's not the same one right that's him that is same him. warning yeah. the tune warning that one which right? one warning yeah warning that's yeah, okay that, that's me too that's that's us. yeah yeah I know I was gonna ask you about yeah. that well there you go but of fact the first tune I re- I produced. Was with Desi singing. Um, we did a cover of Stevie Wonder's "I Don't Know Why I Love You." Wow! I don't know why I love you. That song, I don't know why I love you. I don't. Yeah, Papa, That's my first production, and it didn't go over well with me and the executive producer, who's Harry J. from Harry J. Records. And so I stopped producing for a while. 
<laughs> yeah. Take a break for that. Yeah, I took a little break because really in the business, and I tell you the truth, mm-hmm. when you have to deal with certain producer, you might as well arm yourself too, you know? Might as well just arms up, you know? And you talk to the man, then start putting them hands on them gun and all them things there, you know? And I said, you know, I'm not really afraid of gun because my father have gun. From, I mean, he'll be born, come see my father have gun. So we don't really afraid of them things there, but I said, boy, I really, you know, I had to make a decision and say, you know what, uh, I'll just leave this production thing alone. I think, I, I think I'm all right, this player, can't do enough, you know, with that. I don't have to get into production, because if I get into production, I've got arms up, I really want a bad man thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we just leave that. So we just leave the production. Leave it for that. Let the man go and kill off himself and bad up one another and thing. Yeah, well, he, he well, speaking, speaking of bad man thing, you mm-hmm. yesterday when we were uh, sound <laughs> oh, yes. checking, you mentioned uh, Mr. Duke Reed, and I had asked you, you know, <laughs> came on the subject of Treasure Isle, and then you proceeded to tell us that you were there when Duke, you know, popped a shot from the... Yeah, man, take all the thing on... <laughs> I went with that one. 45, I think we have 45, pull out high business, you know. And you can shot right beside me, you know, back in them days, you have the separa- separators, right, mm-hmm. to separate for sound-wise, you know, so like you sit now with the bass and the amplifier behind, you have a separation, separation, separation. Mm-hmm. And especially the drum set is all separated, so they can isolate the sound, you know. Mm-hmm. But, Duke was funny like that, you know, because he was old police. He used to be a policeman, right, before he got into production. Right. And he's a man, he has a studio on this side, or this side of the road, and the other side of the road, on uh, yeah, Bond Street, and Oxford Street, I think, that was Bond Street, yeah. He was a uh, liquor store, see? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, when you finish playing and all that, now you go and pay you, you know. <laughs> but when you check him, you might be sitting down there, trust me, with... Ah, uh, you know, you ever watch them... <coughs> excuse me. You ever watch them old movies? Yeah, with the bullet yeah. straps. Yeah, the bullet yeah. strap over, yeah. And <laughs> oh, like my some God. Bullet suspenders? Yeah, they have a big... They have some <laughs> one for the movies and they have a shotgun beside him. Yeah, but he loved him guns and it was like that. So Man. if the music sweet him, he just might fire a shot in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and he did that one day. The music sweet him. He was in the in the control room and we in the studio park playing. I was I'm a ten minute late, man, okay? Pretty much. <laughs> As you might notice. So <laughs> I'm gonna come like ten minutes late and but anyway, we're playing the music and it going down nice. Me and Mikey Chung, Ravel Lynn, Mikey Boo Richards and Jones, Wyatt and, and Wyalindo and Argon. Yeah. Yep. And you come inside, man. We're ready, for te- we're ready to take the tune on. Okay, groove that thing. And it, when it's sweet, it, and it, I guess he does, but, so I guess he was kind of like mischievous, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, it just changed me because it's not bigger man for me, you know what I mean? So to see him mischievous like that was like, wow. So I'm coming and go right beside me now. Eh? So, so Mr. Doggy, 
all the time I call for your come session. Sometimes you like you want to come late. But I don't know where I'm about. Of course, I couldn't act like I'm like really scared. So you be know, so me you know be a snow and thing, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, go on so on. <laughs> so I could say, how you why are you doing yeah, that? Yeah. You know, oh yeah, go on so <laughs> and everybody was like laughing because but it's not the laughter from a joke. This is a laughter of relief that he didn't shoot somebody or something like that. You know, right. the gun didn't go off and hit somebody. Wow. But that's how he was. The music sweet him out. Pow! You know? Yeah. I mean, Duke, there's a story about the first guy who I went to, stu- who took me to the studio was a drummer named um, Lloyd Adams. They call him Thin, thin Leg. <laughs> thin Leg. You must have heard that name. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And play on drugs and poison and them too. Man. Right, right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the story goes, and it's true, that the last session Thin Leg did was at Duke Reed. Right? I don't know what happened if Duke Reed did this because he was mad. I think sometimes when if the music not going right, I said he would actually put one in the roof. Yeah? Wow. <laughs> and he put one in there and he could have to get out of the way of Tindeg. Tindeg would run past him and the stairs are like this in Duke's studio. And he's like, and he must have made like two steps and went down the stairs. And the story is that he didn't stop running until he got to America. <laughs> 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 yeah, he was a very nice guy, though, and I haven't seen him again. Sa- sounds like a nice guy. He was a nice guy, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Tin oh, Tin Leg, like you're saying Tin Leg, like, okay. Tin yeah, Tin yeah. was. Yeah, Tin Leg, one, Tin Leg, never come back and never do no more session. And I guess his papers are getting ready to for him to go. And he just, phew. That makes sense. I told you, see, Roger's got the studio back there. I told him, if he ever tries to shoot me, I'm not coming to record anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a disclaimer. I can't shoot him. That's where I draw the line. I put yeah. up with a lot. But. Keep on running. Yeah. Good reason. Good reason. But New Creed was interested in that um, he would, for him, to, he wasn't a musician now, but he was an executive producer, yeah, but he was also a producer in that he could hear hit song. You know what I mean? You could hear that. Yeah, that's a hit sound. Uh, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's famous for like, he did a song with, uh, I don't remember his name. But anyway, he did a one song with, um, with a guy and the song was like two minutes and ten seconds long. Mm. And he put it out. He said, boy, I put in that out. He said, but it's too short. I'm sorry. He said, all right. I do my number one. <clears throat> um, Da, 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 da. Uh, little little Jimmy Brown, the song name. Oh, little Jimmy Brown. Yeah, dun 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 dun, dun, dun something like that. Yeah, yeah. little that's the Jimmy song. Brown. Like two, yeah, ten seconds or something. Mm-hmm. That you run away. Mm-hmm. Everybody says, "Oh, it's too short." It says, "All right, you put it out." So short that as I finish it, they play it over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but you so you was a was a one of the producers. For his bass line, he would actually come beside you and, and you can't see my knee here, but he would actually 
come and tap the baseline out on the side of your knee, right? <laughs> you know, if you're having problem with the line, you actually do. He did that with me like once, but I used to hear that he used to do that. So when he finally did that with me one time, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get Duke treat I get Duke treatment now. Come and tap it up. I mean like what do you call it? Like Mars code kind of thing. Yeah, right. It was Morse code, he was like, I will shoot you if you don't say this. <laughs> if you don't <laughs> So he was alright. I was not very interested, but I you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. He used to drive a GTO. You know, this is a big man, and they it, always have his shotgun over the back glass. And, oh, man, you do feel something else. So you mentioned earlier uh, Delroy Wilson, and, yeah. you know, we really wanted to, to hear any Delroy Wilson stories you might have, what it, what it was like working with him. Mm. Well, the story, you know, I didn't do much with Delroy, but I did mm. some nice. I did, like, uh, you know, this, um, to... A lesson for the learning. You know that song? Oh. Rod, you know that one? No. I don't know that one, no. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lesson. Too late for the learning. Lead us to Lead us to A wicked tune, man. Nice. nice. Yeah, I did that with him. I did a song called I Need Your Love, which was part of the soundtrack for the Children of Babylon. Uh, Children of Babylon movie yeah part of the movie soundtrack I did uh, the album named Sarge okay. you heard of Sarge mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I did like I think I did like I think there's one song on it I did I'm not sure yeah oh wow so I did we stuff talk- he was there <laughs> he was a funny guy too he, yeah you know yeah he'd be giving all kind of little jokes in the studio and stuff and <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. And the funny thing about his voice, that when he spoke, he had the deepest voice when he talked. And it sounded coarse like he needed to cough or something. And then when he go around that mic and start singing, he'd be like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa, you know, yeah. When he finished singing, yeah, how how that sound? That was funny, really very funny. To call mm-hmm. him Saddlehead. And he was good at like practical jokes and stuff like that, you know. One time he came to there's a story about him coming to um, New York, right, with in a circle and a bunch of singers and Roy Shirley and some other people. Nice. And they had this big show at Madison Square Garden and stuff. And he he um, he called from his his hotel room to Roy Shirley's hotel room and was acting like uh, like he's some from some record company, you know. Mr. Shirley, you know. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. Shirley, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I like how you sing on Ray 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 and you know, oh, no. so Roy was like, wow, wow. And then he then after that he asked Roy Shirley, what do you think about that other singer, Delroy Wilson? <laughs> Roy Shirley is supposed to have said, Well, oh, sir, those, those singers have contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't deal with Delroy, he's already taken. I came back home and told everybody, I yeah, we laughed. You say, Boy, you see how people stay. 
You know, the, the guy was, you know, he's acting as if like, yeah, yeah. You know, what do you think about Delroy Wilson's song? I should have said, no, sir, those, those guys have contracts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he was that kind of practical joker, you know? Yeah. Right, right, right. Very funny, yeah. So he we ha- could sing. Yeah. Uh, we have ESO Reggae Sessions in the comments here. Really wants us to ask you about Joe Higgs. And he's mentioning uh, the Wave of War and There's a Reward. Oh, wow. So yeah. is that you on, on those, on There's a Reward? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, wow. You know, there's an, uh, the first There's a Reward was done from Ska. Ska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But on the Life of Contradiction album. Right, right. We did it over. Yeah. Like Wave of War is like. I don't know, something that always touched me, you know? Oh, me too, man. Yeah, tell us about that, please. <laughs> uh, now I'm cracking up. <laughs> well, just a very good, very good song, and the yeah. words of the song, you know, the wave of war is rising now, like the morning sun, you know, he will leave it by the sword, his time has come. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So anyway, that... I used to actually sing that song every morning for a while, you know? It's a great mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it's a There's a great dub version of that, too. Very touching. Yeah, and the drummer on that was... I played with some good drummers, excellent drummers. Paul Douglas, Mike Moore, Richards. This guy's name was Roger Bethelmy, right? And we used to be in the same class at high school, George's, right? St. George's uh, in Kingston. This guy was an excellent drummer. He played the drums on it, Roger Bethelmy. Mm. He, he later left and he was playing with Little Anthony and Imperials and he was living in LA for a while. Then he died. He had a car accident thing and he died somewhere in about 89 or 90. But he was very good. He actually left Jamaica because um, Eddie Kendricks from The mm-hmm. Temptations yeah. had come down to record, and Byron Lee got Roger to come play drums on that. And wow. the whole the whole motor people were impressed with him, and they they linked up with him, and he ended up going to LA and stuff like that. You know, but that's me. So sound wave of war is me, Roger. Me tell me. I think on piano for that song was actually Leslie Butler. Oh, that's another. Ooh, I love oh, Leslie. Okay, there you go. He knows. Rod, Roger knows all the keysies. Top. Oh, okay. he, he has a song called Top Cat that I really like. That's okay. A, a song called Top Cat. Really cool stuff. Yeah, the whole Butler family is um, really fantastic. Yeah. Especially man. him, especially Harold Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Freddie was good. To, Oh, the one Howard Butler, no, the biggest, the biggest brother. Mm-hmm. He actually appeared on the. Oh, I'm gonna forget again. He appeared on the. What's the guys? There used to be a show, right? That came over every Sunday night, I think, on TV in America, right? A famous show. I should. I really should remember it now, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all right. But um, yeah, but he was like the first Jamaican. I think he was like the first Jamaican to have ever come on that show, you know. Uh-huh. But then after that, no, like so many geniuses, he had some mental problems and 
came back home and stopped playing. But Howard, yeah, Howard. Was, so it's the Butler family really gifted them. Well, you you bring up uh, Leslie Butler, great keyboardist, and um, yeah. I wanted to ask you. I wasn't quite sure, but I have a forty-five, and I have to dig it up. But uh, there's a song by Winston Winston Wright called "In the Mood." And uh-huh. they released it off Tiger. And on the flip side, it says Now Generation version, of course. So I was, uh, assuming, <laughs> I was assuming that, you know, obviously, it's, and it's the same song. So I was like, well, yeah. In the uh, moods. Yes, exactly. And I got it because, I'm, you know, I'm a big Winston fan. It's not a tune I would necessarily, you know, go, go play out in the, in the club because, you know, I DJ as well. But. <laughs> Because you know it, it's the take on the Glenn Miller tune, you know, da 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 da. da. But it's really, really heavy. It's it's in that certain pocket where it's like as as an, as a uh, admirer of reggae, especially in seventies reggae. Yeah, that, that's another that's a strange song in that. Right. I think but, we went to the studio to do something, mm-hmm. and Winston had just finished putting that on, mm-hmm. and they called us in and said, "Well, come sing something on this tune, right?" Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that's the song we sang something like something. She lady makes it. You did, yes, yes. In the ear, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The or- there's an organ version on one side, and on the flip side is like you- there's yeah. vocal. Yeah, it sounds like a group vocal, like you guys. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. The producer guy. Um, hold on. Uh, West, oh, what's his name? Pete Weston. Pete, Pete, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna oh, say, you yeah. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our, our memories are working. Yeah, Pete Weston produced that, and we came in to do another a session with somebody else. And then say, well, just come, 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 come sing this, just come sing the part. So we all went in and sang that part. Right. So we didn't actually play on that record at all. That's that's the singing thing. <laughs> oh shoot! Okay, then there you go. Okay, good. I didn't pick it and, and try to look for it. You know, but then, <laughs> was a nice song. And that's the same kind of organ that you like too. The the, um, the Lowry. The Lowry. Yeah. Well, show, show, uh, show on the Lowry, Roger. Oh, Can you yes. pan now or no? Okay, no, because I'm using the other camera. Oh yeah, yeah. But look, at, <laughs> yeah. Let me see. If maybe I can. Yeah, well. a little. Something, something. Uh, oh, there you go. The, the Lowry's over there. And the Lowry, yeah. The Lowry. <laughs> there you go. And we yeah, were talking. Right. We were talking uh, yesterday about mm-hmm. that when when um when the Agrolites played with the Scottolites and and yeah. we brought out the Lowry organ and uh, and that's yo, the one thing. Like, what? The, the thing that you remember for sure. And I was like, hey, yeah. I was like, where you guys get that from? Yeah, that was um. So that was the main organ in Dynamic Sounds at first. Yeah, yeah. Later on, they bought D3 and stuff like that, you know. But, mm-hmm. but Lowry. It's got that sound, you know. Yeah, it had, it had, I remember it had reverb on it. Because I used to play a little organ too back then. Mm-hmm. You know? Did right. you play on any recordings? Are there some recordings with you on organ? Well, actually, I did one. Um song called Stranger in Town mm. by Derek Hyrett. Nice. Oh. I mean, by Crystalites. Crystalites, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Town. And I, we, did it in, we did it at Randy's. Why stories go from one story to the other. <laughs> please, <laughs> <I love it>. please. <laughs> we love it. Randy's, um, they had um, a beach or sea tree. It was a Hammond organ, though. I'm not sure it's beach or sea tree. Might have been a sea tree. But. You know, you, yeah. As a as a keyboard man, you know, with a with a hammer, you had to press them two two switches. Yeah. To let it run. Yeah, yeah. 
Are you supposed to run it for a little bit and then it's okay? It, well, yeah. this one, I think what happened is that um, because Jamaica was the um, Jamaica's current right, AC, yeah, like was, actual current, yeah, yeah, it was like 50 cycles, okay, yeah, and America was 60 cycles, so we used to have problems. So but that used to cause problems when you buy things like, even like um, like electric ovens and stuff like that. Right. Things like that used to burn up because cycle thing. Mm-hmm. And the um, musical instruments used to suffer a little bit too, the keyboards. So that right. was song, that song was actually in G, but right. I had to play it in B flat. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Because the, the tone wheels, I would imagine the tone wheels is not enough, uh, the current's not getting Randy's, the tone. Randy's <laughs> keyboard was three, three semitones, uh, three semitones below. Wow. Remember? Yeah. So I had to play, I had to play it in B flat for it to be in G. Yeah. You, that's, you know, anyway. I'm so glad you told us that story because look at guitars, they get out of tune. Pianos, they get out of tune. But there are mm-hmm. a fair share of Jamaican tunes where the organ just sounds out of tune. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, <laughs> it's not supposed to be out of tune. <laughs> All the tone wheels are, are in sync, you know what I mean? I mean, maybe you need an organ. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense, you know? That makes total was, sense. It in itself, it was tuned. But it was just three semitones, three semitones down. Right. You know? Wow. wow. So... Oh, that's crazy, right? That's like one of the, you're always, you know, people who are obsessed with this music from outside of Jamaica are always trying to like recreate the sound. And that's just one of those, like another factors where you're like, no, you're never going to get it. Like, cause there's just, you doesn't matter what like tape machines and mics you have, like your I'm gonna electric current. Whole, I'm going to change the whole current in the house. I don't know how yeah. to do it. But yeah. Your organs, that's your problem, Roger, uh, over there. Your organ is too in tune. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that was a song called Stranger in Town. Okay. Yeah. I gotta look that up. And um, so, you know, another name in your long list of uh, artists you've played with is Dennis Brown, and and I'm really curious uh, to to, to hear what you know some of the stuff you did with Dennis Brown. Yeah, sometimes I look back and I can't believe that Dennis Brown was that young. Right. When he he used to play with Now Generation, he used to sing with Now Generation for a little bit. And at that time, I would have been like, then Susan was like, um, I was probably like 21, 21 going 22. And then at some when I check it out, Dennis had to be like 14 <laughs> right. at that time. Yeah. But wow. we didn't look at it like a, like, like a kid, no? Because he was like one of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Very, very, no, Dennis Bond, very, very nice first to work with. You know, they play guitar, mm-hmm. they play key, little keyboards. So if you come with a song, you always has it worked out to some point, you know. You don't have to be like saying, oh, put the bridge here. Or, no, he has it pretty much worked out. You just have to get your groove and go in. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did some good songs in him too. First hit song I did with him was... Um, Silhouettes. Oh, wow. No way. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the first. Oh my that's god! A, you know, in, in Los Angeles, for various reasons that I won't go into now because it'll take forever. That's a very big song, Silhouettes. <laughs> yeah, Faith there's an artist on. here. There's an artist here named Jaw Faith who's from Trinidad, but he's lived in Los Angeles for a long time. Roger and I worked with him, and he Silhouettes is one of his go-to's at the show. He always plays it. So everyone, oh, really? in, LA, everyone in LA knows Silhouettes. Well, Silhouettes <laughs> is one of those tunes too where. I was having this discussion with somebody, but when you look at a tune and it's just perfect in, in more ways than one, where the bass is just heavy and locked, where the drums are, are, are doing their perfect thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Dennis Brown song like that is Lips of Wine, but I, I don't want to get into too much. But Silhouettes, wow, man, that's cool. I, I didn't know you were rocking that. It's a great song, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, top, that's a top 10, top 20 song, man. Silhouettes. You know, there's really, a bunch of other songs with him for for Derek Harris to be able to, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any of the other names? Uh, if I think hard enough, yeah. Well, um, I should have written down these things beside me. <laughs> no, <laughs> Catching like them on, the, on the fly, you be like, ah. Yeah, right. No, I know. Oh, it'll uh, be the fun. next time because you're you. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. be on the show. Yeah, we got to do it. Right, <laughs> got so many questions That's to ask. Up. Do, 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 do. Splap, splap, splap. Oh, th- things in life. Things in life. Yeah. That okay. Yeah. What? So that's you playing bass on things in life. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Man, can I just tell you that song is one of. I mean, I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say I like that more than silhouettes. Like that. That song is. That song is the lyrics in that. Mm-hmm. I had a really good friend of mine that was having like a rough time. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I told him, hey, just listen to this song. Like, listen to this song because Dennis uh, is saying, you know, there's, it's not every day. It's going to be the same way. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like such. If you read those lyrics on paper, it, yeah. you're just like, okay, you know, it's simple. But you hear Dennis sing it, and it's so, it's like, he, it's a genius song because he just took these very like simple message of like, you're going to have bad days, you're going to have good days. But it's yeah. like, it, it just it hits you. Like every time I hear that song, I'm just like, nice. okay, I feel better. Like, it just make, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry to go on about that, but that's I can't believe you play on that song. That's a great yeah, one, man. Yeah, I with Dennis. That was Matador, I think, right? That was a Matador Productions. Oh, that was one of the Matador ones. Yeah, I think so. yeah, yeah. I might have been like for real. I thought it was I thought it might have been Derek, but okay. Mm, either way, that song. Wow. I did a bunch of songs and you know, we did did a bunch of things with Dennis, you know. And Jeez. and and even, even later on, you know, at first we did these bunch of songs with with on the um, Derek Harris thing. Then later on we did some some things with Matador. Mm-hmm. And then, Lloyd then he kind of right? he kind of went he went with um, Night Observer and he started yeah. doing all kind of other stuff that didn't include me. Then later on, I did um, some things with with Willie Lindo producer album in Inseparable. I didn't yeah. play Inseparable, but I played like a bunch of other tunes like Senorita and mm-hmm. them tunes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We, we we talked about a lot of the stuff you know in in your career, but we yet to touch upon what was your first song? What was your first? What was your you know first step into recording in, in these studios? The very first one, like I said, Lad Adams, Tin Leg to, to the studio, mm-hmm. and I had a hard time finding this song. I found it a couple of years ago, a few years ago, like two years ago. It was, um, I don't know the name of the singer, right? But it's, um, 
Oh man! Uh, you almost had it. It already sounds groovy just by what you were humming. It, was, it sounded up tempo and groovy. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I, don't, I, I still don't know who the singer was. Who is it for? What studio or, or what producer? No, this, guy, this guy produced the song for himself. You oh, know? gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So he checked the drummer, uh-huh. and the drummer said, "Yeah, man, I could be this man. Who, yeah, and Caribbean. Yeah, and I think." Snapping played on it. Ah, Theo, nice. The- Theophilus. Yeah. Snapping, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like that guy. From a meeting. Yeah. Was, yeah, we just Google it. Doogie. Yeah, Doogie. We just do that. And we, we, yeah, snapping. Nice. And I think Sticky played on that. Played percussion on that. Percussion, too. yeah. Thompson, yeah. Mm-hmm. Me and them guys, all, from the meet them, was like, all is like, very hard to call, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you name again, man? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you we might uh, even know uh, it. Yeah, I remember it. Don't Just because you left and said goodbye, that's you. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah, it wasn't a hit uh, because, and I tell you, it sounds you know, familiar just, to me. It own, does. Just from my own self, I said, "Yeah, mm-hmm. let me try and find back that tune." It was hard to find it. Hmm. I found it like two years ago. Nice. Wow. I'm some collector somewhere in England or something like that. So I, I have it. Know. I have it in my computer. At that point, but that was the first it. time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess sounded good on earth of you. So more sessions start coming. You know, start do some things. So I did some stuff for Bonnie Lee. Nice. Like um, sometimes you know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I cry when I'm lonely. Uh, John Holt did that. Went okay. to number nine on the British charts. Wow. It was the first time he went. I mean, so of course my head is going. <laughs> my head is swelling right there because I mean, you just start playing and. Your chart already, you know what I mean? Number nine on the British. I was like, wow. Okay. We we, we got some something good here. I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, we have someone asking a question about, because um, I know besides, you mentioned the, the live show you did with Bob, but but also you did some recordings with him, and someone's asking if that's yeah. you on, is that you on Punky Reggae Party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me and Sly. Yeah. 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 That was an wow. interesting thing to, you know how many bands played? The first time they recorded was in England with Aswad. And it was not in the right way. And then they mm-hmm. came home and recorded Boris Garden. It was not. They recorded it was the third world at some point. It still wasn't happening the right way. And so Scratch calling me and Sly. Right? Apparently, the, the song was going on. And then it got to a point after maybe, maybe a minute. Because pretty early, like after a minute. Something happened and like, the song was went like, <laughs> like, it's almost like something went wrong with the tape and then it was, you know, like it slowed down and went back up. So he was trying to get me and Sly to like play through it and try to smooth it out. Uh-huh. And we were doing it and I'm like, no, this, this doesn't make no sense. Because there's no way to smooth that out. 
the way it, the way it was. Right. So Errol Thompson, the engineer, mm-hmm. uh, this was done at Joe Gibbs Studio, right? One night. I'm saying, Errol, you're up now. He said, when you reach a partner, just pull out me and slide. Just pull out everybody, just pull out everybody else. Leave me and slide alone. And we just, me and slide, just pull it straight through after, you know? So when pull it out, it's just me and, just bass and jump. <clears throat> you understand? And then, um, after that, now, after we do that, and nice and feel good, then Scratch went and recorded over everybody else on top of us, you know? <laughs> so, because everything have to do nice. over on top of our thing. And nice. that's how that went. Guy could be in there till now. It's hard to, to smooth out something that go, and then come back up, you know? Right, uh, right. Yeah. So you reach yourself, pull out everybody, me and slide go through. So step it through, you know, and that. So that was the first recording I did for Bob. Wow. So maybe about a year later, that much. I did um the other four songs that I did for him. Which was on the survival level, song mm-hmm. like Wake Up and Live, um, Top Ranking. Yeah, the ride not to ride, and so so much trouble in the world. Wow, those are (laughs) crazy. And that that those four were done at Tough Gang itself, you know, with Bob there, because Punky Reggae Party is just me and Sly and and Scratch and Errol in the studio. That's it. (laughs) And Bob Bob came in voice afterwards. Yeah, put on, they put on everything else after that. I don't know where. Bob probably recorded, probably voiced that over in England. I'm not sure where mm-hmm. he voiced that, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, so the survival album was done at 56 Hope Road, the original so, Band studio. So what what was like the situation, you know, because to us outside of observers, you know, it's like we know we we know that Bob Marley had his band, right? And, you know, specifically bass, it was Family Man. So like what, you know, what was it just Bob wanting to try some different musicians or like what was the reason why he he wanted to switch it up on those tunes? Well, choose them days of me and Mikey Boo. Mm. Used to run things pretty much. Mikey Boo, yeah, man. <laughs> That's heavy. You know, we used to be... Really putting down good, serious, solid music, you know? Yeah. And when I say solid music, I, don't, I mean not just groove alone, but groove and good musical content, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, yeah. You know? So. Who do you, I mean, being a bass player, you know, I'm a keyboardist. Mm-hmm. I know you play this keyboard besides bass, but as a bass player, we can all agree the relationship between the drum and bass is important. Who? I have two questions. First is, what drummers out there did you just lock in with, you know, in sessions? Like, and I'll tell the truth. Oh, go ahead. It's me personally. Yeah. I've heard it said several times, you know. Other man come to me, other musician come to me and say, well, I hear so-and-so. Maybe I jump, drummer. But you weren't playing. It wasn't you and him. I'm going, you know, sound like when you and him play, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I tend to really lock with everybody. Really, I really locked with everybody who who could lock within themselves. You understand? True, <laughs> makes sense. So I 
I enjoy playing with Mikey Boo. I enjoy playing with Paul Douglas. Really, really do that. Some serious, some great things at Federal, especially all them Ken Boot thing. You know, a whole bunch of them Ken Boot stuff. You know, um, can't remember the whole of them right now. But anyway, and all them Chalmers stuff. Most of them was was with Paul too. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. yeah. And, my, my next yeah. question to that that was related, kind of, is as a bass player. Yeah. Um, who did you look up to, Jamaican bass player or or not? It, just it, playing bass in general. Well, right now, I, I just the other day I put on a list. Well, first of all, James Jameson, of course. Mm-hmm. Legend. You know what I mean? You, you call James Jameson, you have a pause. Everybody else come after that. <laughs> you, have a, you know, you don't just name him down like that. You name him, break, think about it. Continue. Chuck Rainey. You know, so like Chuck Rainey because he loved the choo-choo, you know, the harmony things. Yeah. So I was into a lot of that, especially back, back in the day, you know, thirds and them stuff. Um, like Stanley Clark for the stuff he done, you know, especially like school days. Nice. And um, Victor Wooten. Ooh, to okay. me, Victor Wooten plays bass, but he plays. He, he, I mean, he plays bass, but he's not a. Oh man, I can't say that he is a bass player. Yeah, but <laughs> he's almost not a bass player. He's almost, almost like not. a like a guitarist playing guitarist. bass, mm-hmm. playing in the bass. Tricks, right. You know, all the chords and. But there's some things in bass. It's there's some things in bass that you know. You, you don't do. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's innovative. In terms of the rest of the song, you know what I mean? Right, right. Did I, you, mean, I can go, I can go tip to the little, little, but where yeah. does it fit? Right. You know, unless I'm going to say, okay, I'm a soloist, but then, it, then, I, then everything fits because I'm dictating the song. Right. So Victor gets by with that. He's very, he's, you know, exceptional you know, technician, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I respect him a lot for that. And I also respect him for the fact that he still plays a four-string bass. Ah, yeah. You understand? There you go. Because when you put more strings on a bass after four, it doesn't sound the way it's supposed to sound. Especially mm-hmm. that six-string. I don't like the six-string bass. <laughs> oh, six-string or five-string. That's a joke, <laughs> just to say. And five-string the sound and six-string, they're for like church. When you hit that low B note, that B string, it just go brr. Yeah. You, go, you, you get brr. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. those work in the church, but really. And it's all based on, I usually tell people the sound of the bass is in the neck. You understand? I mean, back in 76, I dating myself, but. <laughs> that's, my, that's my year. <laughs> this is year. Yeah. David loves 76. Back in 76. I came up on a tour, the first, very first tour that Burning Spear did. Right? You were on that tour? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, never forget that tour. Me, Hossboat, and Jums. Wow. Dirty Harry and... Um, That's crazy. Dirty Harry on saxophone. Um, Bobby Ellis on trumpet. Tota. Tota on keyboards. You know Tota, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um... Ranchy, Ranchy McLean. Ranchy. Yeah, 
He was on lead guitar. Because he Ranchi. played bass too, right? I see Branchy. We were talking about Ranchy the other day. He get, he's I see him listed on a lot of uh, albums as bassy, right? Out of, out of Channel One, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Revolutionaries. Yeah. He was the original Revolutionaries bass player. Yeah, he was lead, lead guitar. And then in Linval. Oh, gosh. What was last name again? Anyway, Linval. <laughs> and rhythm guitar. Yeah, nice, nice group. But when I yeah, came up. Sounds like it. I had this, I used to always have a telecaster bass, right? Mm-hmm. But I bought a bass from a friend from a friend from Jamaica who mm-hmm. he couldn't tune it, right? A jazz bass. Mm-hmm. And I set it up and it was fast and all that. But then I tried to experiment with it and take out the frets and say, let me check out fretless thing. And the story is, I went to play it one night, right? And I played one song with it and said to the band, hold on. Took it off and take up back my telecaster and play. Because, you know, playing a fretless is not the same like playing no. fretted because you, you got to play further up. Further up. You have to play on top of the fret now instead of behind the fret. Anyway, so what I did, uh, when I came up with Burning Spear, I traded it in at Manny's. Yeah, Manny's on, mm-hmm. on in, in New York. Right? And I bought a uh, Rickenbacker, 4001 Rickenbacker. Right? And I went back with it. It went back fast on the, the, um, the fretboard, nice and level. And, way, way, way. Mm-hmm. and I played some good hit songs on that. I played songs like, like um, One Step Ahead, Barry Salmon, and a bunch of, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, da, da, some. Cynthia Slas, I'm in love. Some some big number one uh-huh. songs too. I did play some hit songs with it. Jeez. But it still didn't have that that thing like the fender. Mm, yeah. And the reason for that is because it uses two truss rods. Instead of the one truss rod, the normal bass would have, it has two truss rods, so it don't it don't bend, it don't get warped or anything. But because of that the neck gets too rigid. Mm. You understand? So when you go boom, it's not like when you do that on a fender. You understand? Mm-hmm. Because it's just too rigid. You know, it, I don't know how to explain it, but if you if you take a string, yeah. right? If you take a bass string and you know, put it on the put it on the ground, on the concrete, then mm-hmm. right, and play, and touch it. It's different from if you put it on a piece of board. You understand? Right. Right. So that so if it's too rigid, it's like the concrete, and that's what that's the thing with it with the Rickenbacker. But it's good for some stuff. And I got I did some hot hit songs with it, and then then I went back to the Fender in time just before I did the Bob Marley thing. <laughs> <laughs> just in time. I gotta ask you more about that Burning Spear tour. I mean, what? Where? Where'd you? Where? Where was the tour? Uh, first place we played was in a club called The Quiet Night in Chicago. Then from Chicago, flew across to New York, and we did uh, My Father's Place out in Long Island. Wow. And then we did, oh, and then we went to Biju Cafe in Philadelphia. And we did another one, another place in Boston. And then we did Central Park. Wow. Yeah, that was something else with a big mirror. 
<laughs> so you'd be praying and you'd be looking up at the mirror at yourself. And you'd be, ah. <laughs> nice big, big crowd. We did, yeah, we did Central Park. was wicked, wicked show, you know? Wow. It, it, it was like a book, like a, I call it Door Peeper. Door Peeper, yeah. Oh, when you start that. As a bass player, yeah. Gee. <laughs> That's got to be like your dream That's come true to play that song. Yeah, man, I call Mesmerize, man, for real. Anyway, so we did that, and then after those shows, we went and we did Toronto, yeah. And that was the end of the tour. And we come back to New York, and then them, them go back to Jamaica, and we go on my own tour. We go Montreal, go look for my brother, and spend two weeks up there. Oh, cool. Out of those two weeks, I gigged with a group up, and them names and faces, which was fun. You know, and that was it, yeah. But anyway, so that's how that, that bass situation goes, right? So the five string and six string to me is, is like a joke. Really, well, you know? I, well, my question leading, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as we're talking about basses and sounds and different, uh, you know, approaches is uh, you currently play with the Scottalites. Right. And so playing ska music, obviously, you know, when you think of you know, Scottalites, you had Lloyd Brevitt playing the upright and whatnot. What are your, um, I don't know, what are your tricks? What's your advice? What's your, when you are playing a, a ska tune with them, with the ska lights, as opposed to playing, let's say, you know, maybe an early 70s, mid 70s, or just reggae, roots reggae in general? Is your approach the same? Uh, <laughs> no, the approach is different. With, you know, so a lot of times you might see me playing with ska lights, and my bass is actually like so. Mm-hmm. You know, and I sit and play because of my back, my neck back situation that's another story <laughs> right but i end up playing like this just so i can because when you play like this you actually have a different get a different feel you know wow. you actually uh, you actually flow to the different i grew up on scam so it's not really like it's not like strange territory for me right of course that's not, of course you know? yeah. and the first time i played for scatterlights was the thing is that tommy mccook used to I am a Tommy on these, every year we have these festival song con- competitions. Right. right. And guys would write the music and then they call in people to come and play. So they would call, so they would call me in for, when they're doing the studio, when they do, when the studio, and they would write stuff because I can read a little bit. And I, I'm no big reader. <laughs> right. But I can read a little bit and I got a groove, you know? Mm-hmm. You understand? So I would end up playing on those things, and then they would call in Tommy to come, you know, come play the sax, saxophone and so. So I meet Tommy from them time. Mm-hmm. So Tommy would call me in first when he doing little sessions, little things for himself. He would call me in, and he would also call me in for jazz sessions sometimes, live jazz sessions, the hotel sometimes, and things. So '94, yeah, they did this album called High Bob Scar. Uh, oh, I know Tommy, that album. Good, yeah. Yeah, Tommy called me. I said, well, Dougie, what do you do? The next time I said, like, what do you do? I said, call you in for something. You know? I said, what happened? I said, well, I have a problem with this album, you know? And she, and I have a problem between we and the bass band. You can't tell him nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I heard <laughs> about this, actually. So, I mean, me, no, me, I got me that. 
you know, I'm a break strike and all them kind of things. I'm not dealing with them things, but still, Tommy called me in, Mr. McCook, yeah, I'm going in. So he said, well, let's come in, come fix up some of the things for me. So, that year, I was at, when he called me, I was actually on tour. I was finishing up a Sunsplash tour. Right? And at the end of the tour, I had to go back home because my mother had just passed on, right? So I went home and I, the funeral was a Thursday. I came back up the Saturday. And the Sunday, me and my, my Tommy had a studio up in Bronxville, which is New York, but about the club of the Bronx, right? Mm-hmm. I was going and then we start to put on tape. And I said, all right. I'm gonna do the whole album two hours and thirty-five minutes. <laughs> See, two hours and thirty-five minutes, but done the album. I say, all right, thank you. All right, I'm saying, yeah, man, everything all right. Huh? Wow, so yeah, I check on all that. Yeah, so yeah. that's the first album I played on High Bob Scar. I did the mm-hmm. whole album, and then yeah, didn't do anything more with them till 2005. I started playing with them full time. Wow. Wow, you were the yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, but like I, I said, I grew up on them, so you know, it's, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And even in high school, after after class is done, a few of us just hang around in the classroom after the teacher and everybody got and start people start singing your scatterized tune and sing all the, all the soul of them and all the things. I used to be the drummer really. <laughs> On the, on the desk. That's a, that sounds like when we were in high school. Yeah. So <laughs> playing the know, guru beat on the desk. Yeah, <laughs> man. So, <laughs> so for me, playing scatterlights is like, like I never dreamt of playing with them. You understand? Mm-hmm. It was like uh, a really great thing for me. Then you know, it's it's a great thing. It's like a. I don't know how to explain. Like, I mean, yeah, because it's like, you know, as Roger was mentioning before, I think before you came on earlier in the sound check, Roger was saying how the Scatolites, mm-hmm. you know, really, and especially at this point, it's like a institution, you know? And so to oh, yeah. be able to carry on Scatolites with, mm-hmm. you know, foundation Jamaican musicians like yourself, Vin Gordon, you know, the list goes on and on. It's like, it's... Um, it's a beautiful, you know, you mentioned it's a great thing for you and it's a beautiful thing for all of us to like still be able mm-hmm. to go see the Scatolites and, and be watching, you know, Jamaican music played by the, 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 the people who created it, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I first saw, when I first saw you guys, uh, the first time I saw the Scatolites with you, Val, I was like, okay. I was like, first of all, I was like, all right, who's, who's, you know, and it's like, wow, this is perfect. It's like a perfect fit. And I was like, oh, okay, that's Val Douglas. Oh, no, oh shit. And then you start, whoever's decision it was to get you involved, it was a very right good one, one because <laughs> yeah. it's like, all right, perfect. It's like, it's just, you do well, it 110% justice every single Scott tune, every single. I got the call. I got a call from Ken Stewart, you know. Mm, Ken, good friend yeah, of mine. Yeah, big up Ken. Yeah. Yeah, big, big up, up Ken. Ken. You know, what happened is that, so I started playing full time with him in. Like April of 2005. But in 2004, in like October, or something like October or September, they had to do a weekend. They had a weekend thing on the West Coast where they had to do uh, my favorite my favorite venue, uh, Red Rocks. 
Oh, yeah, beautiful. from Colorado, yeah, favorite venue. Nice. Amazing. The big rock and yes, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we had to do that and we had to do something in New Mexico and one more. Like three gigs on a weekend. Yeah. So uh, but at that time they were having little things happening with them, them and the bass player. And he he took another job to go play in France, right? Mm-hmm. And so they said, damn, how are we going to do this? You know, so they called me in. And I think he, he got somebody to play in France. So I played with them that weekend, you know. And then now, so that was like October 2004. And a few months later, 2005, like April, Ken called me. I just had my neck operation, first neck operation. I was like, man, I'm using a cane right now. He said, no, man, come on, you can, you know. You can do it. I said, all right, <laughs> let's go. Right. So I've been with them since that, you know. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know. And, yeah, but like, um, so between, uh, between 90 and 94, I played Maxi Priest, and that was, that was, that was good too. That yes. was high. Yes, that was touring at a really high level, you know? Mm-hmm, right. Especially at that yeah. time, yeah. Yeah. We had done a little bit before, a little of that before with Shined. You know, oh, wow. this thing where you have like a record company involved and all yeah. that. Yeah, that time Shined was with EMI. Yeah, we did. I remember doing one show with Ice, Ice T. <laughs> <laughs> we opened for Ice T one time. Wow. Yeah. At the end of the night, I was like, really? <laughs> the amount of bad word that guy used. Oh, really, Ice T? He would. Yeah, Ice T, not Ice T. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, yeah. a lot of bad words from Ice T. Wow. Really, this is the kind of thing I gotta do to play music. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, one of our, uh, Herbie, Herbie Harris says, tell us about the one string bass you used on the tour with Maxi Priest. <laughs> Herbie Harris, Herbie, I just watched you on, I just watched you on, Is what you call it? We got a program called uh, Sonic, something about Sonic Sound or something like some Sonic Sound business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just interviewed Sly, Slide on, but it was very interesting. Okay. Nice, Herbie. Anyway, the one string, uh, well, you know, they play one tune with it anyway. <laughs> I will even, even after a while, Maxi stopped playing that song. But, but it was interesting, though. I didn't even know you remember that thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, I bought it in Japan. There's a brand called Hagashi. I still have it. A nice, nice, nice song. That one string is interesting stuff. So you, but you, you like the one string better than, than a five string? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For that matter, yeah. <laughs> Less strings, the better. I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess it has to do with the tension in the, in, in the, in the neck, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that when you play it, it can go boom, you know? You can feel, your hand, feel it in your hand. When you have them five string things, with a five string, it has to be, you know, it's so much tension because it's five different strings pulling on that shit. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's to, 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 to avoid... To, Big bass strings. To, yeah, so to prevent it from warping, you got to make it really, really um, yeah, sturdy and, you know, uh, 
So you put pussy up no, that's not for me. We <laughs> need you to release. We need you to do something where you are. It's an educational video, Val. It'd be great. As instructional, a, yeah. Instructional. You know, this is what you want. Bring in the one string bass and then bring it, bring in a five, six string bass and just bash it. <laughs> bash it. It'd be great. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, no, no worries. But, um, Val, we, we, it, it's such a shame we have to wrap up, but we're going to have you on the show many more times because it seems like there's many more stories and we have no to. One. We it need this. Man. I, I love I love having, you know, uh, OG um, member like yourself that has so many cool stories and someone that we, me and Devin both respect as a musician, man. We're big fans of your bass playing. And, thank you. And, and thank you. Once yeah. again, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, man. it was really, really a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Oh, yeah, my man. pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah, and, ho- and, and hopefully, you know, we'll all be back out and about playing live music uh, sooner than yeah, later. Boy, you know? this, new, this new reality is something else, man. Yeah, something else, man. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like a movie, it's a, man. It's a long, bad, boring movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You have to cut now, man. Yeah, it's no, not no popcorn either. I got yeah. popcorn. Yeah. yeah. Someone said, I, I, I saw someone say, they were like, this is like one of those movies where you're on the edge of your seat the whole time, and then when it's done, you're like, I'm never going to watch that movie ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a real good one, yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to recommend it. No. But, yeah. um, you know, everybody in the meantime should really go uh, follow, you know, if you're not following the Scatolites on social media, go follow. It's Scatolites on Instagram, Scatolites on Facebook. And you'll be able to keep up with everything that Val and Scatolites have have coming, because we know you guys have plans. As soon as we can all get out and play shows. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! For real! Yeah. Fifty-six years, ladies and gentlemen, of Scatolites. Years of Scatolites. How crazy! Yeah, it's, you know, it's amazing. I, Such a beautiful thing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we'd really love to have you back on sometime soon if you'd be into it. Yeah, man. Yes. Okay. For sure. Just like, just like this time. You know what I'm saying? Yes. All right. Yeah, Great. You guys keep on doing the work. That's, I appreciate that. Yeah. For sure. These guys like you. you know <laughs> we try our best. We just love, we love Jamaican music and it's just our, yeah. it's, it's, that's been the silver lining of this whole thing for Roger and I personally. It's just on a selfish level. It's like, well, at least now every week we get to talk to someone amazing. Uh-huh. So, you know, it keeps the, keeps me, it keeps our mental health, uh, at a, at a, at an acceptable <laughs> level. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And take care of that Lori organ, man. Yes, man. We're keeping it here. So I, that think one, that, one, I, I think that organ is the one that played Liquidator, you know. That, yeah, it could be uh, for sure. Lorry, yeah. Winston, I know Winston played the Liquidator, so it could be that. Yeah, and he was a nice, he was a great guy to Winston. Oh, geez, he a bunch of sessions with him. He was an older guy for me. Oh, great! Now we're gonna fun, don't get me know? started. We'll, we'll we'll be talking for hours and hours just on one. You know, <laughs> yeah, next well, we can do our our next episode will be themed. It'll be the first half will be all organ <laughs> instrumental <Yes>. theme, <laughs> and then we'll talk See. more about the. Uh, We'll have we'll have we'll have Val on next with his bass actually in lap and we'll yes. oh yeah for sure Plug I think in. that's crucial I think that one string that. and four string <laughs> yeah for sure well one string uh, it's in storage oh oh uh, <laughs> time to get it out yeah <laughs> there's an excuse to go get it now I might grab it soon yeah I'll pass by the storage another two months. <laughs> all right mr val douglas thank you so much for joining us it was really a pleasure to talk to you thank my you, pleasure my ladies and gentlemen mr val douglas yeah. yay 
Thank you, Val. We'll talk to you. My pleasure. Yeah, Yeah, man. Val Douglas, man. Yes. I just want to rap with him forever because... I know. I could keep talking for all night long. Yes. Such a pleasant dude, too, man. His smile is infectious, I'll tell you that. I, I know. It. I see him I down in the backstage still smiling. and I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was... I, I have that. so many more questions, so we got to have him back on. But just hearing... It's just... You know, we talk about this all the time, how the you know the, the classic era of Jamaican music in the 70s is just to us such a, a magical it just it just seems like it's almost not real like somebody wrote a book you know and, and made it all up and so that when we get to talk to these figures who were there and 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 lived it um for me it's just and i know for you too it's just it's really almost amazing not real yeah it's like yeah. what you know yeah love that yeah man so um i uh we got to get out of here so raj real quick what do you got coming up New 45, I'm in this project with the, that we're called the Night Owls. It's, it's another all-star group. I mean, you got guys from the Lions, um, you know, Dan Ubig, Blake Coley, you got uh, Dave Wilder, and you got, um, I, I know I'm going to miss, uh, leave out some of the singers, so I'm not even going to mention one of them. No, I mean, I know you got Malik Moore, you got Jesse Wagner on this right, 45, right. but go to, uh, F, F Spot Records and check it out. Uh, all of the 45s we released with them, um, it's kind of a boutique kind of thing and, and they've sold out, you know, so go pre-order your copy now. It's a funky, some funky reggae covers. Nice. Yeah. What do you got cracking? Well, what, I mean, you and I got Sister Carol coming up on the pod clash next week, which, um, you know, we've got a couple next week. We've got Sister Carol the week following that we have Toots Hibbert. So we're really, we're really, uh, you know, just for Roger and I being just, you know, Jamaican music is, is, is our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, talking to, to the, these, this stretch of three weeks for us is just, uh, yeah, it's really way, amazing. So next week, everyone, please tune in, uh, for Sister Carol and tell your friends. And then, you know, me, myself personally, every Tuesday I'm doing the songbook sessions, acoustic performances. You could tune in. I know this last Tuesday I had some, uh, technical difficulties, so I apologize to everybody for that, but I'll be back this Tuesday. Um, and then you can go find me on backstagemusiclessons.com if you want to do a songwriting lesson or some vocal lessons or guitar lessons or whatever you want to do. I'm having a lot of fun with that. And uh, go follow me on Twitch, man, like Devin, so we can uh, do a little DJ party. And um, yeah, that's what that's, that's what, what we got, we got going on, man. So uh, you guys, if you want to reach out to us, we love people reaching out to us. Go uh, email us at the Reggae Podclash at gmail.com. Also, go to our website. Please check it out. We got a playlist that um, gets updated every single week. And these are tunes that Devin and I, you know, um, pick to kind of share with you guys. Um, these tunes we may not ha- actually have on, on record, but they're just, you know, songs that, that we adore. So go check that out. We try to keep the list, you know, quality, not quantity each week. So 10 songs, just mm-hmm. all killer, no filler. Also included in those 10 are the two songs that we're going to talk about the following week. So go scope that out um yeah and sister carol next week don't sister miss carol it. next week yeah. toots the week after that um and then we instagram even got please uh you know that's where you'll get updated every single uh you know every time we have a guest you know sometimes the, the times change with these with, with some of our guests because you know uh, they live in different parts of the world for example today was a little earlier show so please follow us on instagram at the reggae pod clash um, and yeah We'll keep we'll keep rocking out. I'm excited. Yeah, and uh, the 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 news is that also sometimes soon we're going to have uh, some some more members of the current Scatolites on. Ooh, yes. So yeah, uh, yeah. So everyone, stay tuned. 
Uh, you, uh, the Reggae Podcast is available as a podcast now, so you can go subscribe and wherever you listen to your podcast, please go subscribe and rate and review and all that stuff. And we will see you all next Saturday with Sister Carol. Yeah. So later. until then, everyone be good to each other. Uh, big thanks to our guest, uh, Mr. Val Douglas, and we will see everybody next week. Thank you.